0: There's so much that can be said about this young Irishman's meteoric rise to fame, from busking on streets to headlining an electric picnic with the biggest crowd of the weekend, from being quoted by the T-Shock to having that same song, all my friends become almost anthem-like to Irish people during lockdown. I've been a massive fan since early on, and it gives me great pleasure to say, Dermot Kennedy, what's the crack? Are you well?
1: What's up? I'm well,
0: yeah. How are you? I'm alright. The last time I saw you, you probably won't remember this, but it was like about three months ago. Upstate New York... Just outside yes. Albany in the upstate music yeah. hall. We were doing three gigs in three nights in three different countries. Oh repeat. yeah, of
1: course. I remember that. that. And uh, I'm good. Like I remember things from about six years ago, so I remember that. <laughs> well listen, like that was probably my fifth or sixth
0: time seeing you live because I originally right. first time I ever saw you was Rock Verkter in Belgium years ago. And I knew yeah. of moments past, and I knew of Glory and a few other bits, and I remember being blown away by it. And then I did like Vicar Street, the Olympia, the Three Arena, the Electric Picnic, all the way along. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The gig in America, to me, really kind of stood out as something that... It's not that there was more of a confidence there, but I was wondering, kind of, do you still get those nerves when the gig is closer to home, or does headlining the picnic do away with that forever? Do you feel more comfortable?
1: uh, No, I don't think it does away with it forever. I wish it would, but I don't think it does. And uh, I guess it is a slightly different thing when the gig is a home gig, yeah. There's something you're like so proud to be an Irish songwriter, right? So when the time comes to play the three arena or stuff like that, I think I'm so determined to, I don't know, to just do a really special thing. And for people to not come away from it being like, Oh, that was grand. You know, like you really Mm -hmm. want it to be next level. And so home gigs do mean that bit more to me. And, uh, and then, yeah, but honestly say you were at that gig in upstate New York, I think there is another confidence there because, Cause it's just like, not to be like sound cocky about it, but that was a smaller gig on that tour Mm -hmm. and save when, so if you take New York city, for example, we played radio city and it's like 6,000 people and you, you lose faces in the crowd and it's, it's incredible to be there, but it's slightly less intimate. So honestly, those gigs like upstate New York, I enjoy them so much because it feels more intimate and you're on the same level as the crowd and everything. It just feels like a close thing and it feels like doing, Gigs back in Dublin years ago again. So uh, honestly, I love that side of things. If like I was sitting on the bar,
0: like from back the back of the crowd, I'd actually sit up on the bar and watch the gig, and it was so intimate, it was so amazing. And like to go to be someone who's seen you your progress in terms of not only music but also your gigs and the sizes they get to go back and witness that was really special. I thought it was amazing, you know. the gig at the minute everyone's talking about, this some summer night thing. July 30th, uh-huh. Natural History Museum in London. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, the general sale thing. Um, I'm expecting Pink Floyd in the Roman Amphitheatre in Pompeii-level vibes oh, in terms man. of the setup. Like, this must be something really special. The reccies that must be gone into this, I'd imagine, are incredible.
1: There was a recce the other day that I couldn't be present for, and I wish I could. Uh, I've been there so much by myself, but... um, apparently it's a whole different thing when you're there and there's no like tour groups and it's not crowded and there's no noise. Like apparently it is, it really does seem like a sacred space. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it's a very ambitious thing to ask for, right? Like to try and play in the natural history museum, but just, uh, it kind of got brought up. And then the next thing we know, we sort of thought it might be okay. And then we got in touch and then they were into it and we're it's, like all of a sudden this gig is happening so yeah I can't believe it honestly
0: we're not going to see you in the mouth of the big giant blue
1: whale skeleton or anything, <laughs> or anything so, are we? we'll see yeah that was found <laughs> down in Wexford really yes indeed yeah did yeah. not
0: know that I'm a Wexford man myself and I didn't even know that Scarlett really yeah found
1: off the coast of Wexford
0: no way madness um, the yeah. other big talking point with this is that Irish women are losing their minds because not only are you the star attraction but normal uh-huh. people star Paul Meskell is involved now is it still quite mysterious his involvement can we talk about that at all or is it still very top secret till the night
1: I think it's mysterious. Yeah. I don't want to do something too that. He doesn't want me to say, so we'll <laughs> see. It's uh, I mean, honestly, above all, it's just, it's just class to have him involved to like, honestly, one of the main reasons you work in the arts is to work with artists and, and to collaborate. And it's the most beautiful thing to get to do. So I'm just so glad he's up for it. And I really appreciate it. Cause I know like this year has been hectic for him. So I really appreciate that. He's taking the time honestly.
0: I wonder, is he going to try and get you into a pair of GAA shorts, which he seems to have made internationally famous? (laughs) Yeah, i would gladly do do. Giants is, of course, the new track that's out at the minute. I know you wrote it last year and kind of fine-tuned it during lockdown. As an artist, did you feel a pressure to be creative in terms of writing during lockdown, or did you just let it flow as usual?
1: I did, yeah. And then... No, I did. I felt a little bit of pressure. And also, I... Like, I I tried to be nice to myself because I've been nonstop for the last few years so um i really did and i i just took a sec and and there was days when i've been creative and there's been days where i haven't been and it's all good and i'm starting to think about album two and what that's going to sound like and what it's going to be about and so uh i'm working away and i think there is a certain onus on you as an artist to just show up and just try and it's not necessarily just like sitting around and waiting for creativity to show up, like you do have to sometimes just sit down and try and throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But, uh, but I did feel a pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine because it's my job, you know,
0: mm-hmm. given the style of your music and so much of it is about lost love and past experiences. Is it tough as a songwriter to be maybe in a current relationship or whatever, singing about, you know, maybe troubles that went on or past loves? Cause I can imagine if I was going out with someone and here I was in front of 10,000, 30,000 people singing a song about an ex like I've always right. wanted to ask a singer songwriter of your magnitude about that. Like I'm assuming it would come with its own hassles. I'm not asking you to, to tell me the no, of of your personal life, but it must be a tough thing to deal with.
1: Uh, a little bit. And then I find it very easy to put it to the side, though. Like there has been times, yeah, when I've written a song, I've been like, oh, that might come across the wrong way. And <laughs> that's not what I mean. And especially like because you can you can write in any way you want. Like you can write literally pretending to be somebody you can write like you can write from the perspective of someone you care about and it doesn't have to be your life um and so and so there has been times where i've been like oh man i hope this message doesn't get lost and it's not (laughs) taken up the wrong way but also i just think like if you think about like that Kanye west song um I thought about killing you today. It's like, if there's people doing stuff like that, I don't think I have much to worry about.
0: This is true. It's funny you should mention Kanye because he's uh, embroiled in my next question. That you, right. of course, worked with Mike Dean back in the day. Yeah. Who And Mike Dean is, of course, a hip-hop supremo producer. He discovered Travis Scott. He's been an executive producer on every Kanye album going. Um, I was going to ask, how did that collaboration come about? But I'm kind of more interested to know, do you know if Mike Dean has ever played Kanye, your version of Heartless?
1: Oh, I doubt it. I think that would be... That I would much rather, like, I remember I was with Mike Dean in his house in LA and I was leaving and he was like, oh, Kanye's going to love your stuff. Kanye is going to love this. And I was like, great. And I like, I try not to get too hung up on stuff like that. Like it might happen and it might not, but, uh, but I would much rather he played him something of mine rather than playing him. Yes, cover of I
0: get that. But that, like, I'm yeah. obsessed with that cover of Kanye's Heartless. I've put so many plays on that on Spotify. It's ridiculous. Nice it's so good. Um, Thank you. Obviously, you've toured the arse out of America. Like you've you put so much work into it. Um, is America really a big priority for you in terms of your career? Or are you ready to just kind of take it or leave it?
1: No, it's a priority in the same way that everywhere is. You know, like there was one time I, I kind of laughed with our tour manager in New York last year because there was this stretch where we went to Australia and then Germany and then America and like New York and LA. And then we were back in Ireland and London and like we were doing promo everywhere and we were literally chasing this song around the world and we couldn't get around the world quick enough. You know what I mean? Like it was literally this thing of just like relentlessly running around. And, um, so everywhere's a priority. I mean, yeah, like, America is just gigantic and that's where a lot of fans are. So that's where you find yourself. But, uh, yeah, I'm determined to do it too. Like I, I still, I, I still like say we play play in radio city in New York is like, that's a really, really, really big venue to play. But I, I would still think about the fact that like, if someone went around New York city that day and was like, Oh, I'm going to go see Dermot Kennedy. I would be bothered by the fact that the, Common person wouldn't know who I was. Yeah, and so I'm determined try. to kind of make that happen. And that's probably
0: why you wouldn't want to like make it by being a hook on maybe a well-known hip hop artist track or anything like that.
1: You, you, well, you're maybe not. Up. Yeah, and and yeah, you don't. You got to be careful how you present yourself to the world. Yeah.
0: I have one last question. I've wanted to ask you this for so long. Uh, as Go somebody ahead. who is a fellow streetwear aficionado and fan. I'm seeing yep. the outfits, Dermot. I'm seeing a lot of Heron Preston. I'm seeing <laughs> yeah. a lot of Off-White. I'm seeing a bit of Bape, a bit of Supreme. I had an amazing conversation with Ed Sheeran once upon a time about this regarding Nike. Have you yet right. reached the higher echelons of fame whereby you're getting this stuff for free? Or are you still battling it out online like the rest of us to get these clothes?
1: Uh, I'm somewhere in between. It's definitely not free, but I'm not on the internet either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it shows up, but I know I pay for it.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Have you seen the Instagram page that's dedicated to your style? Have you seen this?
1: Oh, I have seen that, yeah. And they're yeah. tagging
0: everything yeah. you're wearing and stuff. That must be such a trick and yeah, so yeah. weird. Because, like, that's usually reserved. I've seen people do it with Liam Gallagher and Pharrell and Kanye and stuff. But to have yourself, right. you know, a guy from Ireland who's, like, your your streetwear fits are just being kind of, like, put
1: out there. It's kind of mad, you know? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, it's an important part of what I do. And uh, to be honest, like, one of the main benefits of wearing streetwear all the time is that I'm comfortable all the time. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, I, I like it just, I want it to fit in with the music, honestly
0: any style icons before i leave you go and who would you look to in terms of style
1: who would i look to in terms of style ah uh, like i'm just i think what i love what i'm most inspired by is that say take someone like Virgil Abloh can go from like Off-White to being like head of menswear at Louis Vuitton i think that's the most amazing thing and to think that he had that show in Paris with all the flowers like just flowers everywhere and i was just like oh that's the most inspiring thing like to go Influence culture That much You mm-hmm. know Even to go from I Early beginnings amazing.
0: With Pyrex And when he was Printing on the back Of uh, flannel shirts And stuff from outlets Yeah yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. crazy
1: Listen This has been amazing
0: Dermot thank you so much For your time I wish you all the best With the gig Can't wait for album 2 And uh, Odell no, will be in the crowd At some stage Next time you're around Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Nice Safe, on, Thank you All the best Thank you